Go wild with Nation Gear's end of regular season merch madness sale. Nation Gear is offering our favorite fans 20% off all regular season merch. And we're going to give you free shipping on any orders over $200. Stock up your closet for the playoffs. Rep your team and grab that merch you've been eyeing up all season long. Don't wait. This sale only lasts from April 1st until April 7th. Shop the sale at nationgear.ca. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. This is the Puck Poolies podcast with Matt Larkin and Stephen Ellis. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Puck Poolies. It's Matt Larkin here, as always, with my friend Stephen Ellis, ready to talk some fantasy hockey. And Stephen, give me that update. How's your league going right now? Your crazy, silly four-team league. Well, last week I said I lost, and uh, this week I can say the same. It's my first two-week losing streak. Um, I can say that things were going really well up until just recently, and a lot of it goes to just my star players weren't putting up points and uh, I guess in a different type of fantasy and the uh, the Tim Hortons picking thing each day I uh, pick the scores I got a uh, eight days in a row uh, which got me free coffee for a week so uh, I'm doing really well there but kind of the guys I needed to play well uh, my goalies weren't starting every single night my uh, Tage Thompson and, and Jason Robertson my little cheat codes weren't scoring like they needed to so uh, and I'm already getting slaughtered uh, in the first uh, after one day I know it's not a ton of games uh, to the last place team that hasn't won it yet so uh, wow. there's that so uh, hoping for a good uh, rebound but I just picked up a Vander Kane five minutes ago put him on a on a injured reserve for now and trying to see if anyone notices that's good it's smart idea something about a losing streak in a four-team league is is extra funny i'm on the opposite i'm on a winning streak i've won four weeks in a row uh even though my my, i'm in a playoff spot but another team in my division won baker so he jumped up to fourth but i've got good momentum going and goaltending tandem in our league like i looked at our league roto stats and i have the second best goalie numbers of the season who would have thought that would be this dynamite tandem of course sorrows but vanacek who and uh yeah we're going through some controversy right now we have one gm who's like he's not quite a deadbeat he's he's a nice guy he still updates his roster but he doesn't contribute to the message board we've got a couple really good long-standing guys in our other sport pools that want in like multi-year waiting lists and it's like what do you do with the gm who's doing the bare minimum this guy's not doing anything wrong he just doesn't 
engage a lot and it's like we have a league with a high standard so it's sort of an ethical dilemma you can't really kick a guy out because he's doing nothing wrong but he's just like ah come on i just want someone who brings a little more spice to the table so we're trying to decide what to do about that but let's move on and let's start talking some pickups steven yes and this might be my favorite shallow league pickup of the week and it's because it's a guy that i was really high on heading into the season i uh, missed a lot of time with an injury but that is ottawa's josh norris Josh Norris available in 42% of Yahoo leagues. I say this with some bitterness because with that shoulder injury, the initial diagnosis was that he was out for the year. I was a Josh Norris owner. I sold him off to a seller team for some immediate help thinking he was gone for the year. And now he's back after just missing half the season. Uh, and to me, it's very intriguing. It's someone you can scoop on your wire and more than half of Yahoo leagues can make a major difference down the stretch. If you look at Ottawa's depth chart right now, uh, Shane Pinto, I don't think is a threat to Norris's playing time in the top six. Pinto had, a, had that great start, but he sort of hit the skids. He's been too inconsistent. So, you know, Josh Norris is going to get that spot back and he's going to be probably with, you know, Alex Dabrink and Claude Drew or, or something, no matter who he's playing with, whether it's Drake Batherson dropping down or Tim Stutzler, it doesn't matter. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be very high quality line mates for Josh Norris. And especially we know we can trust that role because he's making $7.95 million. That's the cap hit. You're not going to play him in the bottom six. Maybe you play him there for a game or two to get his feet wet, but I'm just excited about the production. If you look at his last 82 games dating back to two seasons ago, 41 goals, 65 points, 200 shots, 103 hits. So that's some very nice production across the board. I'm feeling Josh Norris if he's indeed returning soon, which apparently he is according to the Ottawa Senators. Yeah, it might be worth picking them up now if you just stash them on uh, IR while you can. Uh, Eli Tolvanen for medium league pickup. I love this one. Uh, I wrote about him right when he got picked up by Seattle. I said, this guy's got all the talent to make this work. He just needs the right situation. He found the right situation. He sure did. Available in 80% of leagues. And unlike David Poyle, who is expressing regret over losing Tolvanen to the Kraken, we can get a do-over. We can snatch him back up in... 80% of leagues and he's already got going into uh, to yesterday's games had five goals in an eight game stretch since joining the Kraken he's getting power play time also getting more than two hits and two shots per game the hits are surprising and he showed it last year with Nashville as well you don't think of Tolvanen as this bruiser but however they're counting hits out there he's getting credited with a couple per game so that's a really nice bonus and that statistical profile a couple hits a couple shots and a lot of goals it's almost like Chris Kreider's style of production which is funny because in real life you would never equate those two players but what Tolvanen's bringing right now in fantasy on paper is like kind of power forward production and the funny thing is the pedigree is there it's not like this is this is to be treated as a total fluke we know he was a first round pick he was an elite prospect had very exciting pedigree he was smashing KHL records relative to age before he came into the NHL and he just couldn't find a way to get his feet wet. Took him a long time to break through to the NHL. When he did, he couldn't find the consistency, the regular role. But they're using him on the power play in Seattle, and it seems to be working. I don't know if it's going to last, but it's certainly worth finding out for a little while. Give him a couple weeks of runway and see if he can keep this going. I was worried about his like compete level and then how much he actually his effort level away from the puck was. But I think now we're just kind of seeing a guy who's motivated. Like, you know, like, OK, uh, obviously Nashville made a mistake, but I still got to prove that I am the player that I was projected to be at one point, And he's showing that in Seattle is just an absolute blast of a team to watch right now, especially Vince Dunn is just I don't know where, where that came from. He's playing like uh, Eric Carlson right now. And, uh, now. One of my breakout candidates yeah. of the year. I yeah. Yeah. No. 
I like that. Uh, we are going to go with our uh, deep league pickup here, and this one's one actually that's kind of dear to my heart. Jake Wallman, who I actually was one of the very first, he's one of the first players I ever interviewed back when I was covering uh, OJHL hockey and uh, did some stories. I was working uh, stuff with the Toronto Maple Leafs at the time, and this one didn't make it for that. We were just using that for something else, but uh, there was clear talent there when he was playing with the uh, Toronto Junior Canadians, and it's cool to see him having a, a good career right now. Yeah, it's been a very strange uh, development path for Jake Wellman, who's 26 years old. Now he's a pending free agent with the Detroit Red Wings. Never really broke through with the St. Louis Blues. He was sort of, a, I would say, a B-grade prospect, not elite tier, but he had some juice for a little while as a puck-moving prospect and just couldn't find a way to stick and become that regular with that team and eventually he gets a chance at Detroit and he's having this weird late bloom. He's available in 94% of Yahoo leagues. And I, again, this is a deep league pickup because it's more of a banger and shots league option right now. He's getting a lot of minutes. He's getting a lot of shots on goal. He's getting a lot of blocks and it seems like no one notices that he's settled into this top pair with Moritz Sider and they're playing really well together. Uh, in 10 games going into Monday's action, Wallman had four goals and six points, 26 shots in those 10 games. So he's really just pushing the play, and the, those two are really tilting the ice in Detroit's favor. So if you're looking for just some real depth, if you're in it again, this has to be quite a deep league, but if you're just looking for a D-man that can get you a bunch of shots and is showing suddenly some goal-scoring upside, I like Jake Wallman as a depth option. All right. This is a guy that we talked about last week, actually. Lucas Raymond for the WTF pickup for the week. And uh, yeah, guys, come on. What's going on? Yeah, I just wanted to return to this topic because it was one of our key discussion points in the last episode. And we were both bang on saying, don't worry about Lucas Raymond. He's going to be fine. And a week has passed between episodes. He's now the second star of the week. He had seven points in the three-game stretch, 14 points in the 12-game stretch. And yet he's still available in 51% of Yahoo leagues. What is going on in fantasy hockey right now when a player of this caliber is out there? I don't understand it. He's back to producing at a point-per-game level. And the funny thing is there was worry about a sophomore slump. He's actually on pace now to beat last year's numbers. So he's totally fine. He's going to be locked into top six duty, special teams, all that fun stuff. And he's producing. So go get him, not just in a deep league, not just in a medium league. At worst, even in a shallow league, he can be on your bench and you can rotate him in when the matchup is good, something like that. But his ownership should be at 90%, not 51. I agree. This one is one that matters a lot in my league given we have you know, four teams in my main league. Uh, but knowing your opponent's team just as well as you know your own, it, I think is extremely important. Trying to also just think of the matchups you're going against, how you want to play against that, and things like that. Yeah, that's my tip of the week, and it applies for two different reasons. For one, if you're just in a head-to-head -head league, it's always good at the beginning of the week or the day before your match starts, especially if you have transactions you have to make in advance. Just examine your opponent's roster, look at where they're strong, know it well, know what categories you might need to top up. So I did it this week. I looked at my opponent. He's really weak in offense. He's really strong in the banger category. So I'm like, okay, I know I have enough offense that I'm going to beat him easily, but I studied the roster and I, I, I realized, okay, I really got to add some hits and shots. So I made with the sort of lower end of my roster, the guys that are just the depth, I dropped a couple guys, cycled in a bunch of bangers, hitters, blockers, that kind of stuff. The other reason I think this is even more important. Uh, the other reason why it's important to understand your opponent's roster is in trades, because if you just think of what you want and let's say you, uh, you, you're trying to trade a goalie, you, you offer him to somebody and that guy, that whoever that GM is, has Connor Hellebuck and Ilya Sorokin. It's like, well, why are you offering me a goalie? Get out of here. You don't 
Like, why would I want this? And that can turn off the negotiation, turn off the other team. So if you understand exactly what they have, what they're missing, it can make trade talks go a lot better. You can say, oh, look, I noticed you don't have many goal scorers on your team. You have nobody even on pace for 40 goals. I have a goal scorer for you if you're willing to help me in this category with this, this type of position, whatever it is. I, I live with one of my the guys that I make trades with. And uh, it's it's something where I can't give too many secrets away because he'll hear me doing this show and he'll hear me doing all this and preparing for the show. And it's like, I also just can't give away too many secrets. And this is a guy that's now beat me two of the three times. So I could say that he's he's paying attention. And you're going to want to pay attention to our special guest of the week. If you're a fantasy hockey player, if you're an analytics player, player or, or follower if you are just a hockey fan in general who likes to read about the sport he's one of the most prominent people in the sport today someone who his models his work is used by everyone is used by fans used by fantasy players used by journalists to help their own work and he's someone we've known for a long time he used to work with me steven at, at the hockey news as well it's dom luschichin from the athletic and he's coming on next Okay, next up, I'm very excited to welcome to the show someone I worked with back at the Hockey News. I like to try and take credit for his rise because I, I saw what he had. He was into this analytics movement before anyone else recognized it. My pal, it's someone whose last name I never actually say out loud, so let's see if I butcher it. But welcome to the show from The Athletic, national NHL writer Dom Luschichin. Domi, did I get it right, my friend? It was, uh, it was a little better backstage. Um... I'm going to give you point eight there. Okay. Okay. Above average, above average on the right track. Just there was no confidence in it. That's what I felt. I felt that there was no confidence in saying it. You can feel that you weren't quite sure. And you just wanted to get through the syllables that I sent you. Yeah, you're right. You nailed it. You, you cut to the core of me. I think that's a bang on analysis, but at least I didn't say loose chicken. So I, I've evolved. Okay. I'm trying, I'm trying to work with you on this one. And Dom, it's a pleasure to have you on today. And I wanted to start by tapping into one of the most common troll refrains, which is, you never played the game. You have, have you ever played a game of hockey in your life? You know, the whole, it's, it's, the, it's the well that every troll goes to if they're going after someone whose primary bent is analytics. So I want to give you a chance to set the record straight and tell listeners about your on-ice hockey experience. Have you played the game? What level did you play at? What position did you play? Yeah, I played the game pretty much my entire life. I think I started with skating when I was three or four, and I played organized hockey when I was five or six. Uh, one of my favorite retorts to someone saying you ever played the game was me quote-tweeting with a video of me Michiganing and lifting the puck in the air and just batting it out of the air because I randomly just did that in a pond one time, I think, during COVID times and posted on Instagram. I had it ready, and someone post posted that or sent that to me, and I'm like, you know what? gonna do this because it's not it's not the hardest thing in the world to do but it is something where if you see it you're like hey this person obviously played some higher level of hockey or whatever so uh i played pretty much a hockey my entire life i was always the smallest kid on the team so back in back in my day which feels really old to say there was uh there was hitting and that was my biggest i guess thing holding me back from going higher because i was always smallest didn't really know how to take a hit well. And I think the year where I was, I think, ready to blossom, maybe move up to double A, I got hit from behind, broke my funny bone and was out for like the first two, two or three months and stalled my development. And I just stayed in A for pretty much my, my whole life. And 
was a pretty good player there. Big fish in a, a small pond type of deal where if I went to double A, I'd probably be one of the, the worst players there. Um, but yeah, I, I would say I'm above average, pretty good. I played right wing, a shot left though. So I had the, the stick on the inside, like the, the way Ovi did it, where it was all offense, no defense, just always focusing on, I guess, having that, that shot on the inside. Okay, so there you have it. Everyone who wants to know, Dom, he worked in the pits. He even broke his funny bone, okay? He was out having a rip there, bud, okay? He can, he can do the Canadian way. He's not just a spreadsheet guy, okay? So he mm -hmm. set the record straight. Uh, so, Dom, you're kind of one of the first uh, writers to bring analytics into the mainstream. Um, do you have, like, a primary influence that kind of put you on that path? Yeah, there were a few, uh, I think, around the early 2010s. I think that's when analytics was first gaining traction. And I grew up a Leaf fan. And I think that was like the hotbed for a lot of the analytics movement. Uh, if you have a very bad team to watch, you always wonder why that is. And so the Leafs and the Oilers were big, big deals in that refrain. And the Leafs especially, it's because they generally had a good record but looked like garbage every night they looked like complete frauds and so i got into analytics that way because i'd watch and I'd be like this makes no sense so i followed a lot of pension plan puppets uh at felix potvin at mlsc and then they would retweet a lot of stuff by tyler dello eric tulski and those two were i guess the main influences for me in terms of where i am today i would always read everything they wrote and sort of go from there. And I think in terms of analytics background, that's where it started. I think in terms of writing, I've always admired Elliot Friedman. I think 32 Thoughts, all the way back from when it was 30 Thoughts, was is one of the favorite pieces in the world. And I've, I've told him that as well, that that was a, a primary influence for my writing because the way he writes, I think it's it always makes everything interesting and easy to understand. and. I think he always tried to incorporate analytics into what he was doing as well and get some some nuggets in there for the, I guess, the the mainstream fan who wasn't as familiar with it and always appreciated that and the way he did it. So I think those would be my biggest influences for sure. Very well said. Um, one thing I'm curious about, and I've written about this at length as well, is just the longstanding tension between the the old school and the new school. You can call it the boomers, the dinosaurs, and the kids, whatever you want to call it. but there seems to be this never ending battle between the eye test and analytics. And it seems crazy to me. We're still talking about it. I don't know if it's really just happening or if it's just every Edmonton sports writer versus <laughs> analytics, but you still see the tension out there all the time. So what do you think Dom is the biggest misconception? If you're speaking to the old guard in terms of what, what's the disconnect in terms of understanding how analytics can be helpful? I think part of the disconnect is that public analytics is a lot of a, prognosis and not a diagnosis it's saying this is happening and the disconnect is kind of why is this happening because our data is so bad i follow Corey Schneider at shutdown line who does a lot of manual tracking and i think that helps a lot and if we had that data which teams do i think it would help bridge a lot of the gap between what people are seeing and what people are saying because there's some players and some teams who who do things a different way where if you get more minute data, you'd be able to sort of find more common ground into why someone watching the game likes a certain player and why someone who, I'm not gonna say doesn't watch the game, but like looks at data more in depth is seeing certain things as well. So 
if you talk to anyone on any team, they will say that you need both facets. You're never going to gut a scouting department just for analytics. You're never going to not use analytics. You got to use both and find a middle ground. That's what teams do. And I think most people in the media are seeing that they're getting there. They're seeing the value in both. But I think because public data is not as strong as what I guess teams have, it's sometimes a bit harder where you get battleground players or teams where someone like Seth Jones, for example, has not the best results in Columbus, doesn't have the results of a typical number one defenseman, but everyone who watched him saying that's that's a guy who is an elite guy. And then he gets to Chicago, and I think it's really interesting that a lot of the playoff hopes last year hinged on him being that guy, and he frankly wasn't that guy. So there's a middle ground between his analytics being absolutely terrible the year before and people saying he's this number one stud where maybe he's just a number two kind of guy. Maybe he's a top pair guy who's a bit below average. Maybe he's just a top four defenseman. He's not the worst defenseman in the league. He's not one of the best defensemen in the league, but it's finding that middle ground, I think, where some people do still struggle. So analytics, a big part of your life, obviously. How do you use that in fantasy hockey? Because it's not like we're tracking like hand data and stuff like that, and like a Yahoo league. So how do you use analytics to help you in fantasy hockey? Uh, well, I have a model that says which like projects every player for every league. I release that every year and it seems to help a lot of people. And it's a shame because I'm in a keeper league. So it's very, uh, it's a very cycled thing where one year you're very good. One year, the teams that tanked are very bad, but my team is generally always good, but there's always that one year where you're like really go for it. And the two years where I've really gone for it are the two years where my fancy projections have come out before my draft. It was this year and two years ago. And so the guy in second was using it. Almost everyone at the draft was using it religiously because they know me. They know what I do. The guy in second was especially doing it. And I knew like his team would be good. His keepers were amazing. And so were mine. And now in this battle where if he didn't have my sheet, I knew I'd be like a clear runaway favorite. Mm. Uh, but yeah, I have a model projects every player. I think that's the gist of it. But I honestly have veered away from going purely analytics as in the past, I would just go purely by the book and have this sick, amazing team. But you know what it was missing? It was missing the vibe of just having a good player. You like to watch a fun player. And so this year in fantasy football, because I don't know that much about football, I went purely off vibes in one of my drafts. I'm like, well, this guy looks fun. This guy looks good. I'm going to go with that. And I won. And so <laughs> in hockey, I employed the same strategy where I was going by my list, but because there's always a margin of error and some players are like in the same realm, um, if you're picking between two guys, you're splitting hairs, go with the guy you like more. Go with the guy who has better vibes. And so I trusted my gut and went with a few players in that vein. I reached a bit more than I would have in the past, and it served me well. I, I know I reached for uh, Jesper Bratt pretty early, and a lot of people were mad about that, and that worked out really well. And then when he got hot, I traded him for Charlie McAvoy after picking up Lindholm early, and then traded Lindholm for a pick. So I ended up with uh, McAvoy and a pick for Bratt, basically. And now that Bratt's cooled down, that worked out pretty well in my favor. Um, 
but it doesn't always go well because I remember my my sheets staring me dead in the face, like pick Eric Carlson. I'm like, I don't want to. I don't want to do that. I, I don't trust him. Don't trust his injuries. Don't trust that he's old. Don't trust his team. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. And they called me out on it. And they're like, I know you're taking a long time to pick because you don't want to pick Eric Carlson. You're, like, <laughs> you're absolutely right. I don't. And Eric Carlson lasted a bit because they, everyone in my pool knew I didn't want him. They're like, oh, Tom doesn't want him. I don't want him. Um, and that was one of the biggest mistakes of my life, apparently, because he's <laughs> just unreal. So sometimes you got to go by the book. Sometimes you got to go by the, your gut. Uh, just follow your heart somewhere in the middle between the brain and the gut is your heart. Got to go with that. Okay. That, that's, I may have to use this because I have the same problem, Dom, where in my league, everyone prints my rankings and my players go off in a row. Boom, 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 <laughs> boom, boom. Everyone's tripping me like, screw you, Larkin. We have all your information. <laughs> I've even thought about tanking. But like I can't tank my own job and like yeah. deliberately write bad rankings just before my draft and then I'll correct them after. But I can't do that. So maybe I have to try <laughs> the, the vibe-based idea. Cause I, I got vibed on Tage Thompson. I was about to pick him and my dad got him instead. And same thing happened. So I, I feel you. Um, I'm curious. So it's a good transition because you mentioned your model. Who is a player that just breaks the model for you right now in terms of it do, nothing can explain why. He's effective in fantasy because your projections don't say he's going to be, but yet he just is somehow. It is often guys who break out quickly and out of nowhere. Um, I remember someone in my league, former roommate, Lexi Allison, fantastic girl. Uh, she's a team with my best friend, Sam, and they kept Tage Thompson. And I'm like, why are you doing that? Like, he's probably going to regress like he came out of nowhere, all this stuff, and there they had the vibe. And I was so wrong about Thompson regressing. I think a lot of analytics people would have said the same thing based on his season last year. And he's been 
so good this year. And my model struggles with those guys who take huge leaps. Uh, I think I had Jack Hughes rated pretty low going to the year as well. So those big breakouts where, especially if their prior before the breakout was really low, which Hughes, I think he was like a 40-point player or whatever. Thompson was like at 30 or whatever. It finds a middle ground where if they've already broken out, like they're probably not going back to that middle ground. They're probably staying at that level or maybe even reaching a higher level. And I, I actually talked to Nate Silver about this uh, before the year started, and he gave me a, a hot tip, which I've implemented since, of for players under like prime age, just go put a higher weight on the most recent season because those players that broke out probably usually stay in that range. And it's the same for older players where once they lose a step, they're probably not coming back from that. Um, so it's those types of, of players. I think mid-year, I because I drafted a strong team, I haven't been as finicky of like, oh, I got to find these buy-low candidates. And because I'm going off vibes and my team has these incredible vibes, I haven't been paying too much attention to buy, to like those kind of cans that are like breaking my model, I guess. But uh, yeah, it's, it's generally the breakout players that are tricky. So I might go on a hot take here, switching gears from fantasy hockey here for a minute. And uh, Taylor Swift, and I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I think Taylor Swift is probably the most overrated singer in the world. Uh, I will go back. Wow. I'm going to go and make a ref. I'm going to go make a reference to Hannah Montana and the Hannah Montana movie where uh, Taylor Swift was the kind of like the like she, she was a small town like nobody in the in the movie, and, and Hannah Montana was a star. It's a travesty that Taylor Swift is bigger than Miley Cyrus at this point. I'll, I'll regress. What makes you a Taylor Swift fan? And I love Miley fan. too, by the way. Uh, yeah, I'm pro Miley, but I'm also pro Taylor. Okay, Dom, you have the floor. I love Miley Cyrus's covers. I think if she just released cover albums, it would be the greatest thing in the world because she has never met a cover that she doesn't absolutely slay. It's her original music that is pretty hit or miss for me like she obviously has some bangers in the catalog but like in terms of the the b-sides the deep cuts i don't think she has those taylor swift has those if your only grasp of taylor swift is the radio songs you are missing the entire ocean that is taylor swift and you know what it's it's not for some people and i i get that but her albums go very deep she has some very strong songs have you ever heard cruel summer mm -hmm. i no wasn't a single probably the best song off lover she just does that sometimes she's bad at picking singles sometimes i think if you give it an honest chance and listen to the lyrics and i guess try to to vibe with it there's there's a taylor swift album for everyone are you an indie folk person maybe you want to listen to folklore evermore I, if you want bangers, then you go for 1989, Reputation, Midnight's. If you're, honestly, if you want a vibe, that's a, maybe that's a Midnight's thing where it's a little more ethereal. Um, but she can't miss. She doesn't miss. I, I do understand the most overrated artist in the world because of just how completely massive she is. Um, but I think she's also massive for a reason. I think she connects with a lot of people for, in a lot of different ways. And a lot of artists don't do that as consistently as she does. 
Very well said. And I, I like the point about Miley as well, as being a cover machine, especially I think of her doing Blondie. She, and, and even just this new like Stevie Nicks type of rock and roll voice she's picked up, I really love. Um, that's great analysis on- She's on... already moved away from that. She's already moved away from that. She oh. just released a new song and it was, it almost felt like it could have been a Taylor Swift song actually. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, Dami, we're gonna let you go with one more question. So we're gonna skip a couple, Stephen, because we're keeping Dom longer than we promised here. Um, last question for you, Dom, is who is your biggest buy low in fantasy hockey right now, just based on underlying numbers suggesting a boom is coming? I, I looked into this because you sent me these questions before, and I'm like, that's the one I genuinely don't have any idea on. I think Shana Goldman is the, the fantasy machine at uh, at The Athletic, and I just sort of make the projections and at the start of the season then just go about my day for, uh, for the rest of the year. But I looked into this a bit, and I think the biggest thing for me is if they were previously amazing and they have lost a step in the first half, I would probably bet on a little regression in the second half. I think of uh, maybe Mitch Marner, Austin Matthews. They're obviously superstars, but this year they they haven't popped off like they were last year. And I think they have a, a big second half coming with how strong the power play can be and how good they are at five on five, especially if there's a chance for them to reunite. I know the Leafs have, have preached more defense, but if you can sell high on someone who looks like a superstar for someone like Marner Matthews who's an actual superstar. I think that is a pretty good bet. Um, bad vibe player, but good by low, I think is JT Miller. I've never seen a player tank his perception so much in the span of half a year, but I think he's, he's better than this. I think the Canucks in general, they get ragged on a lot, but I think they're, there are more pieces there than people are willing to admit right now just because it's been such a catastrophic first half, and I think Miller is someone to target there. Jonathan Huberto, 60-point pace? Absolutely not. Go get Jonathan Huberto. He will pick that up, especially with Flames having a softer schedule. Um, if you're in a deeper league, maybe Andrew Mangiapane as well, who it is interesting that he was like a 40-point guy for like years, jumped up to 60, is back to 40. I would bet he's somewhere in between that, and maybe is worth a shot, but it's a it's a bit scary in that realm. I don't know if you can buy low on Patrick Kane just because everyone knows he's being traded to a good team, but he's he's definitely a guy in that vein. And lastly, I don't know what the hell is wrong with the Florida Panthers, but I think they're going to have a strong second half. And Barkov, Ekblad, Reinhardt are guys to look at on that top power play who I think can can start going off real soon. Okay, Dom, you're speaking my language. I, I traded for Sam Reinhardt in my league. I traded for Patrick Kane in my league. So this mm-hmm. is great news. And I made an offer to Michael Buble this morning. I sent him <laughs> Clayton Keller and Andre Burakovsky for JT Miller. So mm-hmm. let's see if he accepts that. He's tough to deal with, though, the bastard. But we'll see. <laughs> uh, Dom, this is awesome. Thanks so much. Amazing insight. Not a surprise from you. Always have excellent insights. And uh, it's a pleasure to have you on. Hopefully, we'll get you back on another time. We'll talk some more T-Swizzle. And uh, thanks, buddy. It's a pleasure. Yeah, always a pleasure with you guys. Take care. Okay, thank you so much to Dom. That was great. And let's move on now to the prospect update. Who, who are you looking at this week, Stephen, as someone to keep an eye on long-term in fantasy? 
So I'm a big fan of goaltenders, and I've talked about a few goalies, and I know that could be kind of a tough one fantasy-wise, but this is one to keep an eye on, partly given to the team he's playing on, uh, and that's Justice Anonin, um from the Colorado Avalanche. He's playing in the AHL with the Eagles right now. He had a couple of kind of rough seasons where he was trying to get adjusted to playing in North America, and I remember asking him, and he said just, you know, getting the angles right for a goalie when you played in Finland going to North America is tough, and then you got the lifestyle change, so I understand, but now he's really putting up good numbers, and I I put up a piece of some AHL goalies that are really shining right now, NHL drafted prospects. And I didn't include him because he's not playing to the same level some of these other guys are. But when you look at him, his numbers are very good. Uh, he's doing some heavy lifting for the Eagles and is someone where when you look at the avalanche kind of a long-term thing. He's 22. I think he does factor into this team's goaltending situation. Um, again, I was never really excited about their their two guys that came in with this year and george has played better than i thought but i think at, at a certain point franco's i'm not sure he's the guy um and i think that you can give a noon and maybe even next year or the year after you give him a shot to be the backup i think before long he's challenging for the starting role and you know what colorado's going to do you know they're in it for the long run here yeah it's a step back this year compared to last year a lot of that has to do with injuries but of course not having Kadri, not having some other key players in that lineup definitely hurts but if the Avalanche are going to stay in contention, I think this is someone who before long could be challenging for the number one role. And I think it's uh, it's worth keeping an eye on him in a keeper league right now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a pretty juicy position to be in, in just, just in terms of the, the fantasy environment. And if you're not a believer in Georgiev, who's I think is starting to break down a little bit with that workload reaching its highest point of his career, that's an interesting player to speculate on. Also an amazing name. Uh, Steven, we're going to move on now to... The best bets presented by ProLine Plus. And a little word from our sponsor, of course, ProLine Plus. First, it's not just another sportsbook being the only sportsbook that gives 100% of the profits back to Ontario. ProLine has been your local trusted sportsbook for over 30 years, now offering Ontario sports fans more ways to play in-store, online, or take the game on the go with the ProLine app. With your favorite sports and events right at your fingertips, download the ProLine app and bet in-app with ProLine Plus today or head over to ProLinePlus.ca to learn more. So, Stephen. What I'm looking at for my bet, it's a Wednesday night game. At the time of recording this podcast, the official over is not listed yet, the over-under. But I don't care what it is. I'm betting it no matter what. By the time you're listening to this episode, it'll probably be posted, everybody. And I just love the over on the Lightning Canucks game Wednesday night. The Canucks are just a train wreck right now. This is fire wagon hockey. We saw the presser from Jim Rutherford. It was all over the place. They don't know who their coach is going to be in a couple weeks. It's absolute turmoil. And if you look at the goal totals in Vancouver's last seven games, 8, 6, 11, 9, 9, 7, 7. Now you have the Lightning coming to town. I know it's possible the Lightning keep the Canucks off the board, but I think they're going to get home. Whatever that over-under is, I don't care. I'm I'm betting the over no matter what. I think it's going to be a strong bet just because the Canucks, they're, just, they're a high-event hockey right now. So I think you should follow me if you're making a bet for that game tomorrow. All right. I like that one. Uh, I guess uh, time to go for some questions, right? I think you're right. Let's do it. All right. This question comes from Hamilton. I'm assuming the entire city of Hamilton. Uh, what do you think about Jonathan Huberto's long-term future in Calgary? A step down for sure this year. Is this a one-time thing uh, as he gets comfortable in a new system or are you worried? And I think it is fair to say it, it's not uncommon for star players to go to a new team and not click Johnny Gujo is doing everything he possibly can in Columbus, but his numbers are drastically different from last year. What are your thoughts here? 
Yeah, and I did talk to Uberdo in the summer about the trade, and there was clearly some trepidation there. He's someone whose roots were really ingrained in Florida because it was a family vacation spot. He spent his Christmases there. So it wasn't just being a Panther. It was his entire life. Florida mattered a lot to him. It felt like home. So it is a big change that he didn't see coming. It was a blindside when it happened. And I remember him saying to me, I don't know what it's – because I said, what it's going to be like – what's it going to be like going to this – media heavy market it's going to be a big change and he said i won't know it until i live it so yes i do think there have been signs of him pressing also the fit with daryl sutter is a little scary he's a hard coach to play for uberdo's ice time is down like almost two and a half minutes per game so there's a little worry about the trust on the other hand it's just also age right uberdo's 29 and he had a career year at 28 so any decline after that high watermark of last season was inevitable it's just the nature of aging. He should be exiting his prime now. So I don't think we're going to see him reach the pinnacle of last year ever again. Uh, and I think the environment change hasn't hasn't helped as well. That said, I don't think he's done being a useful fantasy player. Going into Monday's games, he had, I think it was 21 points in his past 23 games. So he's showing signs of life. He's still an extremely talented player. He's going to keep building that chemistry. And I, I think for the foreseeable future, so let's say for the rest of this season and the next couple seasons, he can be a point-per-game player. He can be an 80-point player still. So that's still very useful in fantasy. I just don't think he's going to be a 115-point guy ever again. Yeah, that was that was fun while it lasted, but I don't think he's going to hit that again. Uh, this one comes from JRob21 fan. Uh, who do you like more longer term, Jason Robertson or Tage Thompson? He's trying to get the draft picks for his keeper league, but he wants to keep the best player. That's an awesome question because these two players have been just two of the most exciting stories in the NHL this year. Both sort got of them both. I got yeah, both. amazing. Yeah, breaking through into superstardom. And they're also their production is so similar. They're both like flirting with 60 goal pace, flirting with 115, 120 point pace. So it's a hard decision. I lean toward Jason Robertson because if you're looking to break a tie between two players producing so similarly, Robertson's two years younger. So that's important for a keeper league because it means that Robertson – it's possible he has not peaked yet, which is terrifying. He's 23. Tage Thompson's 25, so I have to assume what's happening with Thompson this year is a peak. But Robertson, theoretically, could still have one more tiny uptick just based on age, which is crazy to think about. I also think Robertson's development has been a bit more of a straight line. He's just been good at every stage of his career, and he's slowly ascended to what he is, whereas Tage Thompson obviously hit the skids as a prospect when he first broke into the league and then exploded. So I just think Robertson feels a little bit safer. I do love both. I think if you're doing a redraft right now, they're both first-round picks in most fantasy leagues, right? Uh, and I think as keepers, they're both top 10 players. But I lean slightly toward Jason Robertson. Now, counterpoint, what if, like, may, do you think that maybe because Buffalo's got a pretty promising future, they got some good prospects that uh, he might be able to sustain it a little longer and maybe Dallas falls backwards? Is there any concern there? I would have thought that a year ago, but Dallas is starting to replenish as well. I think it looks, the, the stars look rejuvenated. You've got guys like Wyatt Johnson, Logan Stankoven eventually. So I think their farm system is on the uptick again as well. So I actually think Dallas, even though, yes, you have Tyler Sagan and Jamie Benn aging out, Joe Pavelski eventually is going to have to lose the battle to father time. But you're seeing a replenishment, a new wave coming in behind, Maverick Bork as well. So uh, I think I, I'm feeling okay now about Dallas's future. I don't think their window is actually closing anymore. And Dallas also has something Buffalo doesn't have, which is uh, arguably a top five goaltender in the NHL. So there's that. Mm -hmm. uh, next question comes from Richard Roxanne. Is there a good way to make fantasy or defensemen more valuable in fantasy? It feels like they're always an afterthought. 
Yeah, it's a good question because I, I always like a league where every player matches his real value. So in our, our I play in a fantasy football league and we are super flex. We give lots of points to quarterbacks. So then like the most valuable player in our fantasy football league was Patrick Mahomes, which that's what it should be. He was the most valuable player in the NFL this year. And whereas in a standard NFL league, you have usually starting one quarterback and it totally devalues the position. So I love the idea of trying to make a Victor Hedman or Kale McCarr worth a ton. Uh, the easiest way in terms of just what a standard league allows you to do, of course, you, you want to activate hits and blocks as categories for sure, because defensemen just tend to accumulate those easier than forwards do for the most part, especially blocks. Um, you can also, in a reverse way, devalue forwards by removing forward-specific categories. So face-off wins, uh, even just game-winning goals, forwards are more likely to get those. You take those away. And same with goalies. You could reduce your number of goalie categories. So if you add the banger categories and you shrink the categories that sort of skew better for forwards and goaltenders, that sort of will have the effect indirectly of making defensemen more valuable, which is what we've done in, in my own league. Uh, and then it depends on what your league allows in terms of custom settings. Um, if you have a total completely malleable setup, you could do something like give defensemen more points for goals, more points, you know, 1.25 for a goal, 1.25 for a point. That would be the easiest way to increase their value. I just don't know how many leagues allow you to do that. But hey, if you have a super custom setup, then go for it. I'm actually missing the name of this next question. Uh, if you have it, uh, let me know. Um, oh, yeah. But uh it's uh, I deleted it by accident. I was trying to edit the formatting and I actually lost it. But uh, most points the rest of the way, Evgeny Kuznetsov, Brandon Hagel, or Tyler Toffoli? Yes, yeah, so this question is from Javier Jose. So thank you, Javier. Uh, it's interesting because if you're looking at a multi-cat fantasy league, you could argue that Kuznetsov is the least valuable of the three right now uh, because you're getting better goal production from Toffoli and Hagel and just other categories in general. But if you think of it, based on this question, which is pure points, Toffoli's more of a goal scorer. And Hagel's having this huge breakout, but that's just to reach the level that is Kuznetsov's floor. Like Kuznetsov, oh, he's got, what does he have, 36 points last I looked, and he's he's not having a great year. And that's the same, almost the same total that Hagel has in his breakout. So it gives you perspective that Kuznetsov, wor his worst production points-wise is almost the best production for the other two. So I'd say Kuznetsov, who has a 60-point floor in a bad year, is still your better bet for points. All right, that's it for the questions, and we're going to go to starting lineup, and it's your turn this time. And this is one that when I sent it to you, you said this one was going to be a tougher one. So, Matt, name your six most overrated actors. Okay, I thought about this one, and I'm going to include actors and actresses, because just in the modern times, we usually just call them all actor, whether instead of splitting it up by gender, the way the, the, way the, uh, the awards circuits do. Uh, so number six, Margot Robbie. Love Margot Robbie. It hurts me to say this. And she's a massive hockey fan as well. She's fantastic as Harley Quinn, but Harley Quinn is spilling into every other performance she does. She just talks the same in every other movie she does. She just plays the same character now in everything. It's Harley Quinn. Any other movie, it's just Harley Quinn. Number five, Eddie Redmayne. He's sort of your stereotypical has to play every period piece or just body transformation or, or Oscar Hound, almost like what they would make fun of in the movie Tropic Thunder is what Eddie Redmayne does now, in my opinion. Number four, Julia Roberts, again, I'm, I'm biased against the actors who just sort of play themselves and everything. And she was amazing in Pretty Woman, but if you follow her career, she's just kind of Julia Roberts. She even literally played Julia Roberts in one of the Ocean's Eleven franchise movies. She actually played herself, which was kind of silly. Uh, number three, I'm going to pick on Ocean's Eleven again, George Clooney. George Clooney is just George Clooney. He has no versatility. He just plays himself in everything. Number two, Rami Malek. 
won the Oscar for Bohemian Rhapsody. But in other things, I loved him, Mr. Robot, but he's also fairly often pretty terrible. If you saw the movie, The Little Things, he tried to pass as a normal human being. It, it did not work. I don't think he was great in the last James Bond movie either as a villain. I think he's quite overrated. Number one, Benedict Cumberbatch. He has this reputation as this thespian. But I once saw a tweet that stuck with me, and it was, has Benedict Cumberbatch ever played anyone in anything who seems like a real human being? And the answer is no. Just the way he carries himself, it's so theatrical. I just never buy him as a real human being. He's Sherlock Holmes. He's Doctor Strange. He's just always this big, exaggerated character. So I think he's overrated. Those are my six, Stephen. That's it. Okay. And that concludes this week's episode. Thank you, Stephen. Thanks, of course, to Dom. Thank you for everyone who is listening and watching. And we'll keep bringing the fantasy talk to you next week. Yeah.